CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for sports and brought to you all football season long by the good folks over at Thorium Wealth. Check them out online, ThoriumWealth.com, T-H-O-R-I-U-M, Wealth.com for more information. Full disclosures, our thanks to them for their support of this show and all of CavsCorner.com. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of That Said Website, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Tuesday, November the 12th. Virginia on a bye this week in terms of football. We'll get to them in a little bit, but the Cavaliers, uh, the number, I guess, nine ranked uh, Wahoos right now, uh, opened the season with two wins at Syracuse and then at home against James Madison. <laughs> in both games, allowed 34 points. So the math there, very easy um, in some ways, at least. Uh, so we'll talk about the start of the season. We'll talk about what we've seen so far. We'll get into some of the things about what we want to see um, in the rest of the non-conference slate um, before the Cavaliers open, I guess not open technically, I guess rejoin their ACC schedule already in progress. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody up in Fishersville. David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing pretty well. I'm happy for a bye week. Um, still can't wrap my head around the fact that the basketball team is November and the basketball team already has an ACC win and the football team has two this month. I don't know which is weirder. Who Days on the board at Who Days on Twitter. And up in uh, Reston, staff writer Justin Ferber also on the show. How are you, buddy? I'm good. Uh, not a lot of these back-to-back weekends in our future. And f- personally, I think as few of those as possible would be nice. Uh, <laughs> a lot of traveling. But, yeah, just uh, excited for the bye. Uh, kind of reset myself and get healthy for the stretch run. <laughs> at, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Uh, Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional uh, witty banter. So let's talk about that uh, ACC opener. Um, I had horrible internet, and I drove a bunch of hours to get there. Um, the Carrier Dome, an interesting joint. Um, what Virginia put on the floor, interesting in some ways, um, hard to watch in others, and yet kind of like, I don't know, um, What's the um, kind of uh, good in other ways? Like you could sort of see potential. And so I kind of want to start the discussion there. Like coming out of the first two games, I think we all have takeaways, right? Um, Personally, I think the the defense has a chance to be really, really good. I'm a a little worried about the offense simply because when the talent level that you're playing steps up and the athleticism steps up, are you going to be able to score? Um, with the you know give, given what we've seen so far, but I want to kind of open it up to you guys. First two games, Dave. What are some of your consistent takeaways? Um, not necessarily question marks, but we'll get to those in a minute. But just in terms of what you've mm-hmm. seen, what what do you feel? What do you feel like Virginia is right now? I mean, takeaway number one, and this is not to be funny, is it's really good. Mamadi came back. Um, because I, I would hate yeah, to see we, this we team without Yeah, we talked about him. that. We talked about um, that on uh, on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to me, he's kind of been the anchor, um, the energy on on both ends for the team. Um, yeah, but the defense, the defense is really good, just because you've got, you know, Mamadi. I think Mamadi is the piece that kind of blends it all. To, you've got Mamadi on the back end and Kihei up front. That's that's good. You know, two good guys to build around. Um, Braxton Key seems to. You know, seems to be picking up where he left off uh, in the NCAA tournament, and then, you know, Casey Morsell. Even though you know, we'll talk about his struggles offensively, I'm sure, but defensively, I mean, he looks like he was born to play the pack line. Um, 
looks like he came out of central casting for for that. I mean, he, he looks like a third or fourth year um, for his physical makeup and you know his, his ability to defend on the ball and and react off of it. Um, so I mean, combine that with with Jay Huff and using McCoy and um, the other pieces. Like the defense is really good, um, and I think that's what we even talked about it leading up to the game. Like that's what the team's got to build themselves around. Um, offensively, it's a little more clunky than I expected, but I I do think some of that has to do with the fact that you know we played two zones. Um, Jamie played almost exclusively zone, and when they didn't, I thought you saw. Jenny's offense looked a little better. Um, having Jay and Mamadi on the on the back line of the zone kind of takes away two of your big scoring options. Um, so it's a smart way to play us, and I anticipate we'll see quite a bit of it going forward. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing they'll spend some time over the next few weeks kind of working on the zone offense because if they don't, that's what they're going to see a lot of. Um, and whether that's you know pulling Jay out to the wing, keeping him off. If you're going to have two big guys down on the post like that, you got to run some back screens or something and throw an alley oop to keep them scared, get them scared. Um, otherwise, I don't see the point of having them both both of them out there. So, um, and shooting wise, like with with Casey and um, who else is shooting bad? I mean, Everyone well, else on the yeah, team. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, Kihei, Kihei is shooting about how I expected yeah. him to, especially he's, with the extra okay. foot and a half. Um, you know. The extra length on the three-point shot. I kind of mentioned and last week. I, I worry was wondering if Casey would struggle with the big jump from a high school line to the new college line, and I think that's what we're seeing. But he's also just kind of he's thinking too much. He's not playing, um, yeah. and we see that. So I don't know nothing nothing to be super worried about on the offensive side, just because I, I do think you know we haven't seen we haven't figured out how to use Jay against his own yet. I guess that's what it boils down to. Well, speaking of Jay, uh, Ferber, before you jump in here, so Huff n- did not attempt a three in the uh, opener, uh, did not attempt a three in the um, second game either. So, in essence, you could say that when he eventually does, maybe some good things will happen. But in the opener, Virginia was, what, um, five of 20 – excuse me, four of 25 at Syracuse from three. And at, in the second game against Madison, they were uh, four of 24. Um, that you're not going to win a lot in the ACC without being able to hit what is that like 18 percent? Like you're not going to be able to shoot. You're not going to be able to win if you're not shooting better than that. And I'm not saying they've got to be what they were, but they got to be better than what they've shown. Um, especially because I, I think the blueprint for how to beat UVA right now is zone them up and press them. You know, press them, fall back in the zone. Press them, fall back in the zone. Um, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be their, their task over the non-conference schedule. Right. Um, I don't think they're going to see a lot of man this year. I mean, maybe if they run into a team that is as dedicated to it as they are, but realistically, like this thing could just be in essence, what we've seen the first two games. And I'm not saying that it's going to be, um, you know, that they're not going to be able to figure it out or anything like that. I still think that there's a lot of potential, like, what I saw the other night was encouraging in some ways, um, but also the offense is a concern. As we all, ex- I mean, like, I, I mean, look, if you, if anybody who pays attention to this team went into the season not expecting the offense to look exactly the way it's looked, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Like, they're almost exactly what I thought they'd be. Right, really good defensively, um, longer, more athletic in ways, but also, str- they're going to struggle to score. Um, especially on nights when, 
you know, the little um, elbow jumper isn't falling for Mamadi. Um, th- that's going to be a thing. Ferber, what were some of your concrete sort of takeaways from the first two games? Yeah, I think that the offense is a work in progress, but as you said, it's not really a big surprise. Uh, I think it's going to take a little while. Uh, just no matter what defense you're playing against, I think they're going to have to figure out what they do well and try to play to those strengths because right now, I mean, besides the obvious, having two of your prolific, most prolific scorers in the post and knowing that you can kind of rely on that, I still don't think they really know you know, what their strengths are outside of that and, and how they're going to figure out you know, how to make that work. So it's a 30-game season. I think it's going to take some time. But, yeah, I mean, uh, the turnovers, obviously that needs to come down a little bit because that's that's kind of concerning as far as, like, like you said, they might see more and more press, um, which would create more and more turnovers, I would think. So, you know, obviously you want to cut down on that. The shooting... I think it's a combination of things, small sample size, uh, guys that are, you know, a lot of these guys, Casey Morcello, Cody Statman, even Kihei to an extent, he played a lot last year, but he wasn't really relied on to score. It's new for them, really. I mean, just to to be counted on to make shots in games, in close games, right? In games that matter, in games that are still in doubt. Um, so, I mean, I think some of that is just a mental block and and they'll eventually work their way out of it. I think what you kind of need is like one game to kind of shake everything loose and and kind of get going. And then after that, I think they can get a little bit more comfortable with, with shooting the basketball. Especially, I mean, like a lot of Casey's misses were just open rhythm misses. And I think eventually the the, the odds say that, you know, the you know the shots will start falling at some point as long as the process part is correct. But yeah, I think Kihei has been a really nice, steady leader for them. Uh, obviously what he gave you in that Syracuse game was huge. You know, I, I think that he's shown that, uh, at a minimum he can provide more than he did last year and, uh, maybe even become like a, like a legitimately, you know, game changing guard and not just a guy that kind of like runs the show. Um, Stadman, I, I'm impressed with his physicality. I mean, he's still not completely where he needs to be there in that regard probably, but, uh, he doesn't look out of place like he did in sometimes last year when he would play in games late in the games. Uh, you know, he, he gets to the rim. He's got a pretty nice game. Uh, you know, he, he looks pretty comfortable. Uh, Casey's defense is strong. Uh, Jay and Mamadi, they seem very comfortable in their, in their new kind of expanded role. So I think that's a good thing. And obviously with, you know, with like Thomas, we haven't seen him play. So I'm interested to see how he looks when he gets back out on the court um, as well as Kafaro. So, uh, I don't want to, like, you know, after the Syracuse game and, and then even after two games, I still don't want to jump to conclusions about the offense. Um, I kind of think in some regards, they might, in some respects, they might be better off trying to get a little bit more in transition because, um, you know, in the past they had guys that could just dominate you in the half court on offense. And I don't know if they're going to have that this year at any point, really. I mean, they're gonna have, they got guys that can compete, but I don't know if playing in the half court is going to be to their advantage you know, you saw JMU kind of make a few mistakes and they pounced on him with a few breakouts. So if they could do a little bit more of that this year, I think that might actually help them. See, the thing about I think that's a good point and, and what I want to dive into. So, like, for me, I thought the same thing. But the more I thought about it, I wonder if because they just don't they're not they don't have enough pieces at guard to really feel comfortable doing that. And Tony has been talking about he, since the preseason, the idea of, you know, they've got to be efficient with the ball. And that was one thing that stood out to me in these first two games, right? So they go to Syracuse against 
you know, arguably one of the, the harder, you know, defenses to crack. They've had some success over the years, but obviously this is a new team, new group, you know, new everything. They turn the ball over 16 times, right? Um, James Madison comes in wanting to play fast, would love to, ju- to do nothing more than play fast, and Virginia had um, 10 turnovers. 10 does not sound like a lot. 16 feels like a lot. I'm not saying that there's a number that, you know, it's like Broncos weird system, you know, like if you, you know, you hit this benchmark, you're supposed to win. But I do think, though, that Virginia has to take care of the ball. So I'm a little bit skeptical that if, because I think you're right, like generating those easy points or trying to get them at least, right, that attempt would be beneficial. And at the same time, I just don't know if I, if with this group, given what they have at guard, I don't know if you if you if you can trust that they're not going to turn the ball over. Like I think you're going to end up with a bunch of dudes dribbling that don't need to be dribbling. Um, and frankly, like in some ways, because they're going to be a front court heavy team, it might not be a bad thing for them to have to get used to trying to run, you know, get the ball inside and play inside out. Um, they've got to do a better job, I think, of of getting their bigs into a spot. Um, where not only can they go to work, but also too that they're that they're not, you know, too far away from the basket. That they're not running guys, you know, into the into the area, you know, adding defenders to the mix. Um, I kind of felt like watching it that what they really need to do is kind of just um, one. I think you need to figure out some ways to get Diakite and Huff going, not just in and around the bucket, but get them some looks from deep you know i think that's the that's the, that's the key to me is is to, to stretch out defenses as those two guys um i think basically everybody else you kind of know what you're going to get you know what you're going to get from Kihei. you know what you're going to get from braxton you sort of know what you're going to get from you know even you know morsell and mccoy uh woldensai and statman are really the two pieces that there is some uncertainty right because you're not really sure like how well they're going to shoot it or how well how much they're going to be able to play and stay on the floor um, I thought Statman um, looked like demonstrably better in a variety of different ways. Like he just he feels like a completely different dude now, and I think that's a that's a good thing. Dave, what do you think? Do you, do you would you like to see them try and push tempo some, or do you do you think that they? I don't think you can. I don't think you can when you've got like two or three guards basically. Um, they, you, you know, it's just. You've got to keep him fresh. I mean, so far, Kihei just pretty much came out in, in garbage time. Otherwise, he's he's been in every minute uh, of the first two games. Um, so until until you get Walden Tensei back and kind of see what he is, I, I don't know that you can, you know, maybe once or twice here and there, but I don't see the need. Like, I mean, I think you kind of nailed it. when This team is not going to become last year's team three-point shooting-wise. Like, that's not going to happen. So the improvement, it's just it's going to be marginal. And that's if you have a little bit of you know, marginal improvement in your three-point shooting and maybe get your zone offense better so you're not relying on a late three-pointer or a three-pointer because you haven't gotten any penetration, which I think is what we saw a lot of in the first two games. If you reduce the turnovers, um, thing we haven't talked about is despite how bad they're shooting you know, from the outside, they're rebounding the crap out of the ball. They're re- rebounding over a third of their misses. So if they can just get more shots up um, instead of throwing it out of bounds or, or turning it over, that's going to help the offense too. So, I mean, I don't think it's, you know, a panic level yet, especially when you, when you factor in that, you know, we lost essentially four starters from last year and we've already played an ACC game in a tough environment and, and won. Um, I don't think it's anything to panic. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to think. Like, I mean, Statman for sure has been the, probably the biggest surprise to me. Um, 
because him, you know, because I, I don't think any of us were super confident what he would be this year. But I think, you know, he's playing well enough defensively. He's going to get some time, and he looks like he's a shooter. So, you know, it, it takes a while to get going. Um, no one comes out and shoots 50% from the get-go. And I see a point of contention. I he- keep hearing a lot of people like say, hey, Kyle Gauss shot that well. It's probably going to be years before another Kyle Gauss walks through. Um, I mean, that guy was an elite shooter. So not many of those guys exist in the game. So, you know, if you can get to that, you know, the London Perantes level, his junior, senior year, or, you know, or look at how Justin got better. Like, it comes with time. So that's, I mean, that's going to be a gradual process. He, right? might, he might be there. You know, he might not, he might not walk in that way. He, but he might. He, he might, might be there but, pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, Kyle was there, but he couldn't stay on the floor very long, right? Because right. he had to learn how to defend yeah. a little better. So, um, you know, it's just marg- marginal improvement, and that's what that's what the uh, super long non conference before our <laughs> next ACC game, like in three weeks, is. The um, I want to drill into something Dave just said. There, he was talking about rebounding their misses. So Ferber made the point that maybe they should try to push tempo a little bit. This might be a team that you might not be a bad idea to go at the offensive glass right um more so than they already do like i feel like a lot of the yeah. rebounds that they get now offensively are kind of like not necessarily by luck but they're kind of like dudes they're like are in tip the right, outs and right weird yeah yeah stuff. dudes are in the right place at the right time uh, as opposed it's not to like effort. by strategy yeah yeah right exactly what do you think about the option of okay instead of pushing tempo let's let's crash the offensive glass and try to really make some hay out of that what do you think about that for yeah, I mean, there's a trade-off, which is against a team like Carolina, that would be really hard to do just because they would just outrun you down the court in transition and try to score before you could set your defense. But I think the situation, and that's kind of what I meant by tempo. I don't think you can just start running. Like, I don't think that works. But situationally, I mean. running gun team. <laughs> but, but there are, yeah, exactly, just completely change overnight. But, I mean, there are situations where the opportunity is there take it yeah yeah you know? that's true. and that's kind of how i feel with offensive glass i mean if you're playing a smaller team like they were against jmu that's another thing i mean part of the reason they rebounded the ball so well is jmu as their coach so eloquently stated it after the game they don't have the and huff on their team or on their scout team um they just didn't have the guys to rebound they didn't really have a front court um i'm interested to see how that looks in acc play i mean obviously against syracuse they did a pretty good job um, Syracuse is also chucking up bricks from uh, Rochester and Buffalo and other <laughs> nearby cities. Uh, so I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that doesn't regress back, but yeah, I think if, if you're going to be bigger than a lot of teams if you have Huff and Diakite out there at the same time, and then Key is a good rebounder. So um, I, I certainly could see it becoming an advantage for them if they decide to go there out. And you have Will Defensai, who's a big. Yeah, and, I mean, it, and superstar Matt Palumbo. It, it is hard to crash the offensive boards when you're shooting so many threes. Um, right. That's true. And you know, I mean, so I mean, I think Syracuse over half their shots were threes, and then it got a little better about I think twenty five or sixty or twenty five to seventy ish. I'm pretty sure JMU shot like sixty percent of their shots. <laughs> yeah, and they scored more, Well, they scored more points on threes than anywhere else, I believe. Yeah. So I mean, it's yeah. I think when you get the turnovers down, you kind of get the offense going. Um, and I don't think you you don't have to crash four guys, you know, three or four well, guys. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. If you just too. crash your two bigs, yeah. Um, well, because like they're you know, the hit. nice thing about Kia is he can get back so quick. Yes, um, yes. So the the thing that I although was, he is a rebounding machine. The thing that I was curious about though when I when I mentioned that is because there were a couple of times in the JMU game where like there was a guard 
who had had they been on their toes going forward would have gotten an offensive rebound ball in the air they see it they realize they can't make that and then they start getting back I feel like there are a handful of those a game how many how many of them would they need right before it it starts to be a, a you know an advantageous thing and my my thought is is that over time and I'll get to this larger point in a second but like over time like these guys are going to play more and they're going to have you know those experiences you know that's going to have to be a thing that just sort of clicks right you, you sort of you get some seat time, and it and it makes it all makes sense. It sort of feels right. My larger point here, to segue to that, is the one good thing about a non-conference schedule that doesn't sort of you know that that doesn't whelm you. You know, isn't you're not you know what I'm saying like it's 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 underwhelming in a way, but it does it definitely doesn't overwhelm you. It kind of whelms you. Um, is that these guys are going to get to play a lot with some serious consistency. And that's kind of the thing I feel like watching them two games that they need. Like we all knew they would be young. We knew that even when they weren't young, they'd be inexperienced. Um, these pieces have to fit together in such a way, which is kind of why I think that the defense can be elite. Cause they're not even in a place yet where they're like they're cohesive and dudes have that instinct and they just sort of know like, Oh, this guy's going to be here. Oh, you know, this is going to be like that. Like they're just right now almost individually just playing in the system based on the way that they're being taught. Imagine what it's going to be like soon when they're able to sort of feel the, th- the things out, right? But in terms of the offense, yeah. like, I do think they're going to see a lot of zone. Um, if nothing else, teams are going to throw zones at them to sort of get them out of their rhythm. I don't think you're going to see a lot of block or mover. In looking at the numbers um, from the first couple games, I just think you're going to see a lot of continuity ball screen stuff. Um, you know, I think <laughs> – you're gonna see a lot of Mommy just go cook, um, which is probably. I mean, if they ever option. get to play against man, <laughs> <laughs> I, that's what I'm saying though. But I don't think many teams are gonna, unless unless you run into a team that just you know is yeah. religious for it. I, I think most teams are gonna zone them up, and I think that's that makes that makes everything easier because if you think about it, if you're preparing for Virginia, you can't spend a lot of time worrying about their offense when you got to worry about their defense, right? So if you can say, hey, we're gonna play zone, and that allows you to freeze you up to spend more time trying to figure out how to adequately attack the pack line. I mean, I think that makes sense. I I still think teams are going to press them, and I think Virginia has to be prepared for that. Um, I think Justin McCoy, Braxton Key are going to be extremely uh, critical in that respect. I think, you know, bigger guys with some physicality who can, you know, who can handle the ball at least on some level. Maybe they're not, you know, you know, going to be in one mixtape tour dropping the sauce on you, but they can, you know, catch turn without feeling you know frazzled and i think that's going to be key yeah i mean we're also like two games in you know trying to find solutions to problems i mean so early like the reason i bring that up kentucky literally just lost to evansville at home evansville right yeah they're not the number one team in the country just lost to evansville it's early in the season there's a lot of stuff that needs to be worked out um yeah it's let's not freak out too much. Also, the defense looks really good. They're probably not going to hold every team to 34 points a game, but at least, you know, you feel pretty good about that end of the court. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, um, so far, like I said, the only thing that really concerns me, um, like the zone offense, it's something they could work on. I think if the two tweaks they made that, that had the best results were kind of moving Kihei off to that angle. So he could dribble drive a little more against as the ball shifted around. And then I thought 
we talked about it in the last podcast too, like who's going to fill that role at the free throw line. To me, I think the guy who's played it best so far has been Mamadi. Um, I mean, they put Jay up there a little while. That didn't work too well. They had Braxton there a little bit against Syracuse. Um, I mean, if Mamadi can get to the rim like he did against JMU, then he's the guy that needs to be there. Yeah, but what's interesting to me about that is, about that free throw position, is because since since the guys were struggling so much, you don't get that. Like the guys don't have to split so much when the ball goes outside. So that's free throw. There's a lot more. <laughs> there's a lot more hands around the guy at the free throw line because they're not stepping out as far to chase the shooter. So yeah, it's going to take some adjustments. Yeah. But it's. A, me, I mean, you can. It's like a pack line for zone. I mean, like you yeah. can just stretch and you can. That's that's how making threes gets a team the zone stretched, and then you can really do damage. Yeah, but if you're not exactly. making them, then they don't have to stretch. We, yeah. uh, I mean, I, I, I mean, I figure that they're going to figure out how to, how to deal with that because they're going to have a lot of practice against it now. But for me, like n- the number one concern is what happens when Kihei is not on the floor. Yep. Yeah. Um, I want to transition to football in a hot second, but I, I got one more thing on the basketball front, um, which is very, in some ways, meta, considering this is a podcast about Virginia sports. But um, I, I want to talk about the way that people – have sort of reacted to the first two games. And I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to, you know, be specific here, but in the off season, right after the NBA decisions, after the title and the NBA decisions were made and everything like this thing is sort of settled. Um, the, there was a consensus. It felt like a, a very clear consensus that, that there would be less stress, right? That people would not take it as seriously or that they were willing to sort of, live with some bumps. Um, they understood it. Da, 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 da. Okay. I'm gonna be honest. Like the vast majority of people I've seen are like that. There is a, but there's this glimmer and I just feel like, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like it's coming right where people are like, it, it, it's all fine and dandy. Now they're number nine in the country, apparently Kentucky law. So they're going to be at least, you know, eight if they keep, you know, if they win, they beat Columbia on Saturday. Um, I just feel like it's not going to be long. It's not going to take much, right, for for folks to sort of turn. And I'm curious. I want to have like a you know a quick little discussion about this. Is that right? Like, do you feel yourself being less stressed, Dave, as you watch this team versus teams of the past, um, or is that whole thing fantasy? And it in the, the second the ball the the ball is tipped. I know I'm not going to sing the song. The, the second the ball is hit, it's like, nope, I don't care anymore. I want to win. And if we if we don't do X, Y, and Z, we look like trash. And, you know, let's bring in all the hot takes. Um, what do you what, – yeah. as you watched it the first two games? <laughs> I mean, I want to win. It's my team, right? Like, I want to win every game they play. Um, I mean, I think to me it's it's what we've talked about with football and how you guys joke on me. Like, watch the game, root for them, be upset if they lose, but understand your words carry weight when you put them on social media or a message board, right? Um Take a minute, man. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it's uh, you're right. It's simmering. Like it, it's there's there a loss or two from it's like some some UVA Twitter <laughs> wars and some <laughs> and some I mean, messages I'm not smacked really, down because you really can see it simmering. It oh, it's, I'll just it's take out your there. word for it. Yeah, dude. It's yeah. some people just don't want to be happy. Like they refuse to just. <laughs> some people just don't want to be happy. I mean, their problems are deeper than UVA basketball. Some like it's just true. Like don't want some people happy. just don't want to be happy. <laughs> hey, I mean, but that, Tony's, I mean, that, Tony's honestly, a guy who likes challenges, right? So you don't want this team to like come out and 
be amazing and Tony's going to be like, you know, this is too easy. I got to go find something else to do. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is a he's probably I mean, I wouldn't say he's like excited more about this season than last season because he knew he could win a title last season. But this season, I feel like he probably looks at it more of like a project, you know. I do think, I think that's a, how the fans should look at it. There's a right? certain I mean, element. It's like of a it. building project. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a certain element of it. I think he I wouldn't say he's more excited. I would say he he looks energized in a way that maybe some it's people like come I off know of a championship. how hard this is going to be. Like, and well, it's not even that. I think it's like this is a different challenge. and I'm excited about a different challenge. You know what I mean? Like last year and the year before. And so there was so much you know, there was so much weight to everything. Like every like it was like it was like every possession, every game was like a referendum on everything. Right. And then they won a championship and he had three dudes go to the NBA draft. And you're like, oh, right. And so now it's a different challenge. I think I, I do want to say this real quick, real quick. Like we can have these discussions and, I, and people will inevitably say, like, well, what does it matter? Like, we just need to focus on the. I don't play the game. Right. Ferber doesn't take shots. You know, Dave's not setting picks. OK, like we can have discussions about things without like it having literally any impact on what they actually do. So we can we don't come at me. You know, don't email me talking about like, oh, we just need to play in one game at a time. Like the, the players and coaches want to, you know, view things through that frame. That's totally understandable. I'm not saying that people should or shouldn't feel what they feel. I'm, I'm very much a, you know, your feelings are valid kind of person in general. Um, but man, like I, I just think it was so funny because you saw all these folks in various you know, places and mediums and what have you talking about in the offseason about how, oh, you know, it's going to be bumpy, but, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. I can, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm sensing it. And I'm not saying that, that that's necessarily a bad thing. People care and caring is good, right? Apathy is bad, especially for those of us who, you know, whose livelihood depends on a website that covers the, 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 the sport. But I'm just saying like, it's definitely, to me, it's definitely out there. If they, if they lose a couple, it's going to turn. And then my question is, is like, if you're one of those people, what, what made you, what made it change? Right. And I, I get it, but like I'm just curious from a you know from an um, almost it's an the same anthropological thing as, standpoint. It's a, it's the same thing. I mean, not to segue into football, but it's the same thing as like uh, like for example, uh, I'll, I'll I'll call out Dave, not in a bad way, but you know he didn't seem that worried about Georgia Tech, and then an hour before the game, he yep. was freaking out. <laughs> no, that's but, but as that's soon great. as the as soon as the game start, people. Yep things change like yeah. you know it becomes more real yeah, but i true. honestly my my thing with this team is not necessarily um it's not necessarily like wins and losses and and all that i just want to see them get better honestly um that's kind of my standard is i just want to see them become better and in the process not be like a chore to watch and i know that at times it's not going to be great um i i, I accept that uh, I just don't want to be at game 28 and it's like, all right, this yeah. team still can't make a shot. Right. That's more of my concern is just like the product, not necessarily like, you know, how are they competing for the national championship or, or whatever? Like I kind of just want to see them get better and, and do things well. And I think with a great coach like they have, I think that they will do that. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna be fun. I'm actually looking forward to it. If that, if and when that happens. All right. Before we transition to um, the gridiron, let us take our break for the evening. 
Um, as you might have been expecting, if you have listened to this podcast for any amount of time, the Cats Corner Podcast brought to you tonight by the good folks over at Second String Sports and Stewart's Draft. Second String Sports has all the 2020 gear from Louisville Slugger, DeMarini, Wilson, Easton, Evo Shield, as well as quality used gear. So if you play football, baseball, softball, soccer, you find the gear that you need at Second String Sports. Uh, if you have something from last season that you aren't using anymore, you can bring it to Second String and get a credit towards your next purchase. And if you're looking to purchase a new bat, but you're not sure which one to get, Second String will actually let you try the bats in their demo zone and talk to you about the best bat for your swing. Um, Second String has a large selection of Wilson A2000s as well as A2K gloves, and is a Wilson Glove of the Month retailer. You can check out what they have to offer at their store just outside Waynesboro, 2627 Stewart's Draft Highway, or you can go to their website right now, secondstringsports.com. That's second with a two. First String Quality, First String Service, Second String Sports. Our thanks again to Second String for their support of this show and all of CavsCorner.com. All right, so the football team, I, I guess we could say that the, the win over Georgia Tech, it's a win, and a win is a win is a win. It wasn't maybe as, I don't know, complete as we would have thought. In some ways, it's good because the offense was still good. Georgia Tech's defense has been re- reasonably good against the pass. Virginia still made some hay. Um, Jackets have not been very good throwing the football and yet still made some hay throwing the football. Um, so it's definitely like a glass half full, glass half empty sort of situation, right? You're not really sure what's up with the secondary. You know, Chris Morrow goes down. We're not sure, you know, if he'll be available against Liberty or Virginia Tech or what have you. Um, coming out of that game to me, Ferber said this in the press box, and it still blows my mind, that they basically are going to have three weeks off between that game and their next ACC game. Um, and well, I mean, I don't want to completely discount Liberty. No, 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 but, no. You know, but, but it's no, no. But, you but, know what it, I mean. but but no, between you know, between the game that matters and the game that matters. I'm yeah. not saying Liberty I, I doesn't mean, matter. As far but, as like the stakes, yeah, right, yeah, lead like, up to that yeah, and and so it, it, nobody's saying like they're going to skate because that, <laughs> that Liberty offense between that quarterback and with an NFL you know bound wide receiver like that's legit, especially considering where Virginia's defensive backfield is right now. But anyway, I digress. Um, but to me, like. To, to be in this situation in general, like, has this ever happened before where you had this much time between ACC games at this point in the season, right? To have a late bye and then also have an out-of-conference opponent. I know Bronco's been talking about this as this is the, you know, the coastal playoff race. Can you really make it feel like a coastal playoff race when you have this much downtime? And again, not no 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 disrespect to Liberty. I'm not trying to throw shade here. I'm just I'm having a conversation. Like to me, that seems like a tall order, right? Can you keep the level up every day when you're not playing for a week, and then when you're playing a team that's not like even if you win that game, does it really matter, right? In the big scheme of things, right? Uh, I guess it could it could matter for your bowl chances and that kind of thing. But in terms of the Coastal Division, in terms of going to the ACC Championship game, um, and I want to kind of frame our conversation about the team as of now, Dave, through that prism, which is like keeping up where they are. Um, I think they've had two weeks now where you've, where you've seen good things, right? The offense breaks out against Carolina and manages to win a game. And then let's be real. Like that game against Georgia Tech, most Virginia teams in that situation lose that game, right? They figure out a way to lose that game. Um, You know, there's a couple bad turnovers or some bonehead decision somewhere. And, you know, the thing just slips right away. Uh, for them to, to to then even be able even even I don't care if it's Georgia Tech like for them to have the ball late ice a win you know like that was nice even though Ferber and I couldn't understand when they were in the ball late when they should just be taking knees but I digress as you have now come out of that and you're looking forward to the bye week and stuff where's your where's your mind on this team right now Dave do you have 
Where's your confidence level? <laughs> are you are you nervous about you know what's coming? Yeah, are you confident? What are you feeling? <laughs> <laughs> it's are November, you nervous man. about like, what's coming, Dave? I'm nervous, man. Like I, I don't get seasonal affective disorder. I get hokey game affective disorder. Um, <laughs> it's starting like, to creep it's, up. It's, I mean, it's, it's there. Like I can tell you, I'm like, my mood is shorter and I'm like, what's going on? It's not the short days. It's, it's, I know what's coming. Like we yes. joke about it. Like it's, it's a bad day or weekend for you guys. It's a bad year for me when they lose that. The, the so. South Bend, the South Bend group that was, uh, that, <laughs> yeah. watching that dude, they sold their soul for that Virginia Tech blowout. Loss. <laughs> Evidently. Evidently, we left. We left it in. Notre. I got to go back and pick it up from the Airbnb. Um, now, I mean, I mean, I'm pretty happy with the team. Like, you know, momentum is a thing. Uh, you know, depending on who you ask, right? A lot of people don't believe in momentum. Uh, I do think the offense had, had gotten going, but um, the the defense, like even the offense, needs to get healthy. A couple of weeks with you know Bryce having some time between hits, get that knee a little bit healthier. Um, defense especially needs some time off. And it gives it gives the uh, the defensive staff some time to figure out the back end of that defense. Um, you know, you got Heskin back right before the like the day before the last practice, basically um, for Georgia Tech, and he played a lot of snaps. Uh, don't know what's going on with Baker. Um, Blunt was out there in a in a brace on his arm that pretty much went the entire length of it. Oh, he's been playing um, with that. So for there's, weeks. he's been playing with that. Yeah, for weeks. I mean, it's a banged up group, right? So I mean. To me, like any any negative as far as momentum of the offense is, is outweighed by the benefit it brings your defense because like you're going to need the defense and because you you know the Liberty game matters in the grand scheme of if, you know I, I don't know I guess it really doesn't but it, it gives you a chance to kind of get dialed back in and because it's Virginia Tech like I mean the the guys are going to be focused. Um, so I'm not too worried about it. I guess it's, when I say focus, I guess I don't mean like, I guess I don't mean focus like that. What I mean is like keeping your edge, right? Every day, yeah. not just like but during Virginia Tech week. They'll get it back with the Liberty game. Well, that, um, but that's what I mean. Like, how do you, how do you, you know, like this week, for example, like a lot of dudes are going to be taking time off, right? A lot of dudes taking time oh, yeah. off. But in general, like just keeping that edge, which I think is one of the reasons why they were able to play as well they, as they have the last two weeks is because I think they have had that edge. Um, I'm just curious if they're able to sustain it when you don't have as much like you know red meat being thrown your way. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's not super easy, but I mean, I'd rather have that than have three more ACC games before we play at Virginia Tech. Or whatever. That's exactly got, what, what I was two. just going to yeah. say. Like every yeah. year, it feels like I see, and I'm not saying they're wrong because I agree with them in a lot of respects. A lot of people will be like, "Man, look at this finish that Tech has coming into our game. They play this team, and then they play a Thursday night game, so they get like extra days off, and then and then they play UVA." And then we have to play Miami or whoever. It's like you can't complain about that this year. Um, literally, they basically scheduled themselves two weeks to prepare. Um, with a, I mean, obviously they don't schedule their bye week, but it could not have been any more set up for them to have some runway before that game, as opposed to these other years. I mean, you mentioned like two ACC wins in November. Part of the reason for that is that they've 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 had like these backloaded schedules in November, and this year, I mean, they kind of caught a break. Yeah, and like so we, we played Tech six days after we played Liberty, but they're hosting Pittsburgh, you know, a physical right. team. So, um, yeah, that's a completely different. I mean, like, not, I'm not saying Liberty can't beat you up, but it's different. Yeah, not yeah, it's just... different, and and the stakes are different. I mean, Virginia Tech loses that game; there doesn't really matter, you know, depending on what Pitt does against Carolina. Um, you know, Virginia Tech could be eliminated at that point. Um, so, I mean, it's 
and I'm waiting for Justin to be like, no, that's not right. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, they, they, they could be in a like if they like, let's say Pitt beats UNC and then beats Tech, yeah. Pitt would have two losses and would basically be in a position to where if Tech beat UVA, they could win the Coastal with a home win against Boston College the yeah, following so, day. That's right. And even if and even if they didn't, Tech would be in a tough spot because it'd be like a big five and three tiebreaker. Um, they could still win it. It just depends on who's in it, but. Yeah, I mean that's there's so many different scenarios for that. Um, after this week, I think I'll, I was looking at it, a lot of the teams will probably be eliminated after this week, one way or the other. Like if UNC loses, they're out. If yeah. Georgia, if Virginia Tech wins, Miami's out. Uh, I think North Carolina's out if Virginia Tech wins. Duke could be out. Like yeah, so it could be down to just a few teams anyway. The thing for me. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna. Um... I'm going to mention politics in the sense of uh, covering the uh, covering politics, but typically people who follow who are you know either number crunchers or people who follow elections in general, they'll on election night they'll say you know I'd rather be so and so right, given what the returns are coming in and where they were coming from and what the percentages are. You know I'd rather be this person. I'd rather be that person in the race. If you're looking at Virginia, Virginia Tech right now, you would rather be Virginia, right? The team playing at home who's going to have lots of time to prepare who doesn't have like there are a lot of steps along this way that tech can still stumble right um and they they, what's being yeah they just they just don't have as much i wrote about that today i was like or yesterday i was like they just don't have as much in the bag already uva is five wins in the bag like you're you're basically like in the clubhouse and golf with the lead so what do we think all right let's talk about the offense ferber's got a, a piece um spoiler alert um that I haven't decided yet. Am I running this on Thursday morning or am I going to run it tomorrow? Um, probably going to be Thursday. For, so by the time you listen to this, Ferber's going to have run a piece. I guess I just committed to it. Ferber's going to have run a piece that talks about the offense. He basically revisits his opus and <laughs> he doesn't necessarily like, you know, apologize, but he, he kind of revisits it and says, okay, here are the things that changed. Dave, as you watch this offense, what's different now? than it was a couple weeks ago when we were, you know, like losing our minds about how frustrating it was. Yeah. I mean, they still can't run the ball, so we can take that off the equation. But, I mean, I think Bryce isn't back to where he was, like early Louisville last year, but he's definitely got that top-end speed back, and he seems to be reading a little things a little better and a little more comfortable. Um, you know, on the rewatch of the last two games um, – there does seem to be a lot more freedom in the routes. Like they're even Jan, I think Jana talked about it in the post game. Like they're running a lot of option stuff. And I think that's why you're seeing so many passes to him. And there's certainly a concerted effort to target him, which is good because, you know, it's one more weapon. Um, so you saw him get targeted a lot uh, two games ago. And then because of that, like you saw TK and Billy Kemp kind of get open this past game. So I think just taking those shots, like, you know, I don't want to give Justin too much credit because his head's big enough as it is. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Yikes. what you're talking, yeah, just taking shots, it, it it helps a lot, right? I mean, it's, it's often things up, but taking shots is one thing, but executing, um, and they just Bryce just seems more confident. What is he completing? Like almost seventy percent of his passes the last two weeks, sixty something, seventy three. Oh, even better. Um, not that he's, not and, he's done the numbers or anything. And, and not to fall back on what Bronco and those guys said, but they're not turning the ball over. Um, I mean, I think that's yeah, a look, big this, thing. Zero. That's the big thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I don't want to make like, because we, we kind of joked and said that wasn't the thing when that was the excuse, right? But 
Um, well, without that, that one turnover Georgia Tech had was a difference in that game. Um, I think, you know, what's interesting. You mentioned that part about the turnovers. I've been thinking a lot about that lately, right? About how when they said, well, you know, we don't turn the ball over. Like, just because it's almost like because one half is true, they haven't been turning the ball over. And because they haven't been turning the ball over, everything else that they've done was worked, right? Just because that part is true doesn't mean the other part was also true. Does that make sense? Like, I don't think that they were they were struggling simply because of the oh, turnovers. Oh, it does, yeah. Right? I think the turnovers were a problem, absolutely. But I don't think they were the standalone big, you know, big ticket, like, headline reason. I also don't – I also – unless the, there's something – maybe with interceptions where Bryce could say to them, like, hey, this is why I threw this ball here. We need to eliminate this or change this. It's not like they fixed it. Like, you know, what – they fumbled twice against North Carolina and recovered them both. Like that's luck. Like the interceptions. I mean, yeah. like he's done a great job of not throwing bad balls, um, which you know he hasn't thrown a lot of interceptable balls. Um, that yeah, and also more like you're not throwing every ball to Dubois or Reed, right? Right, so. and that's that's what I'm saying. It seems more like it's it's. Uh, I don't remember the Latin phrase, but it's it's more like they aren't turning the ball over because they made other changes rather than. You're talking about Razor Simple's explanation is the right one? Well, yeah, it's just more one of those things where it's like post hoc ergo proctor hoc. Yeah, part of the reason that they yeah, exactly. Part of the reason that they're not <laughs> turning the ball over is because they changed some things. Not like they solve turnovers. Nobody solves turnovers. Like you just need to be smarter at certain times. And maybe he is, but I don't feel like Bryce is being like more risk averse. you know what you though? Know, I kind of do though. I, I don't I do. I think that he's he still has these moments where he tries to fit a ball in a place he probably shouldn't. Yeah, hit. he had one bad one to Jana. Right. On but a I think third the thing down. is, is that he if if he's taking if he's taking risks, they seem more measured, right? And I think part of that is his mechanics are better. I think he, you know, because he's healthier. I, I I've never bought like the idea that like he throws the ball the same even when he's when he's not feeling as great as he does when he's feeling better. Like it just he doesn't look the same. I, it's hard for me. I mean, even hearing the dude say himself say that is hard for me. Like he, a lot of the stuff that he was doing earlier in the year, like, you know, throwing off his back foot or, you know, like his mechanics just look a lot cleaner. But in general, I kind of feel like watching him that he, it's not so much that like the, a lot of the stuff that they're doing is not different. It's just is like he's, it's, it's, it's more dialed in and he just looks more comfortable. And that, that comfort has led him to have a much better feel for what he should be doing. And he's not perfect. I mean, heck, there were at least three touchdowns that Hassis Dubois would have had the other day, right, if, if Bryce had seen him. My, yeah. my dude didn't even have a yeah. catch. And right? TK. Yeah. Um, there was one – yeah, right. There was the one to, to Kemp where he, he had him, and then he had him, and he had him, and he had him, and then he threw it and he didn't have him, right? Yeah, to Papa. Oh, yeah. So, like, it's one of those things, like, he's clearly improved, but he's not perfect. It's not like he's – he's not – like, they're not hitting all these cylinders – and doing well because like he's playing out of his mind he's improved but i think i think the play calling has absolutely improved and the and whatever the tweak was that allowed them to use the right guys has has worked and then heck in this game they're using billy kemp and tavares kelly in ways they should have been using them all season and those dudes are just all of a sudden thriving i mean you look at the pro football focus numbers like they had the best days of anybody on the team yeah. yeah, I mean, I think if there's two things that are different that have made the biggest change, turnovers is important. I'm not going to pretend like it's not. Um, the two things for me that I noticed when I was looking at stuff today, one, what you just mentioned, getting other guys involved. I mean, Jana's numbers in these last two games, I mean, he had a good end of the game against Louisville, 
But these last two, he's like a different player. I mean, he has 28 targets in the last two games. He has 50 in the entire season. Like, what? Has like, anybody it's like gone he, back and looked at them, like, last year with Alameda? Like, how, how, much, how much overlap are, is there between what Alameda was doing last getting, year? I, I mean, I'd have to look at the route combinations and stuff, but he's getting Alameda targets in these last two games. So, like, he's getting those type, types. He was getting 5.8 targets a game in the first eight games, and now he's getting 14 a game. I mean, that's, that's on purpose. Like, that can't be coincidental. Um, whether that means he's in on more plays or they're giving him different routes, I'm not exactly sure. But then, like you said, they use, you know, Kemp out of the backfield on a linebacker, unstoppable route. Um, and if another guy comes up to help him, that's going to leave somebody else open. Uh, getting Kelly the ball in space, getting all these other guys. And, like, we, we complained about guys not catching the ball and being able to run. I didn't look at the yards after the catch numbers, but I guarantee you they've gone up. Like, yeah, they, in these last two games, have to because so, they have some. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. It's not just catch. It's not catch and tackle, catch and tackle. So that's that's the one thing, the big change with the wide receiver group. I mean, I, I wrote in the piece like, could you imagine a month ago if I told you like, I w- if I said the offense was going to have all these yards passing, thirty three points, but Dubois would have two targets and no catches, you would have been like, well, what happened? Like, no, how did they? Get I would have told you you were wrong. I would have told right, you that yeah, you need to check. Did something. Joe Reed have a four hundred yard receiving game? <laughs> that's what I would have assumed. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, like, there's no other way around it. But that the other change is Bryce Perkins running. Um, yeah. Now, I mean, in that Duke game and a little bit against Louisville, they tried to get him going, but they didn't. They just didn't. They gave him a bunch of carries against Duke, but I think he had like 60 yards. In these last two games, it's like ridiculous, the the difference. Um, I have the numbers right here. In the first uh, in the first eight games, or yeah, in, the, in these last two games, he's ran 45 times for 218 yards and three touchdowns. So that's 22 and a half attempts a game, 4.8 yards a carry. And that's including sack yards lost. Um, it was like, I think, 22 yards lost to sacks in the last two games, which is also a, a nice improvement. Um, in the in the first eight games, 119 carries for 275 yards. So that's like almost the same amount of yards on yeah. like 80 more carries. Like that's a huge difference. Yeah. 2.3 yards per carry and less, yeah, than when, fi- when... In, in less than 15 attempts per game. And his two longest runs of the year – are 43 yards against Georgia Tech and 65 yards against North Carolina. Yeah, and that and that threat helps your offensive line because the defense has to be a lot more disciplined in the way they rush now. Otherwise, exactly. And then it opens things field. up in the short passing game because everybody's exactly. kind of like waiting. To, if is he going to take off? Is he not? You know, th- that's the thing. Is like Alamade was a huge piece of what they were doing, but a lot of what he was able to do was because Bryce was such a threat. Like, yeah. I mean, it it became. A, I mean, if you look at Alamade's numbers with Kurt. They 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 had to have jumped up quite a bit from per, from him to Perkins. Um, I'm gonna tell you I, like the the best compliment I can give the offense is you know our little our little uh, <laughs> our little section. We looked at each other and I, I made the comment. I was like, I can't guess what they're doing next. Yeah, I don't know what's coming. Right? Yeah, and that's that's a big compliment. It doesn't matter, and some of it's because they're not changing. They're not doing as dramatic formation changes, and they're having well. Sometimes a drive they're not or two with changing, some tempo. Yeah, they're not even changing personnel at all from play to play, which is new. Yeah. Like they're kind yeah, of keeping the same guys out there. Middle of the game when they really got rolling, like I had no clue what was coming next, and it was fun. Um, so yeah, I mean. It's a dramatic improvement, but now, I mean, now the, the issue is on the, the other side of the ball. Right? I mean, even the tight ends, like Cowley had a career day against UNC. Graham Mish caught a touchdown. That's a career and then, day. And then, Cow- yeah, right. And then Cowley <laughs> had two for 23 in this game. 
So it's like it, there's something there. They've made changes. I don't know exactly what it is. Like from a, I understand that they're throwing the ball to these guys more. If you just look at the targets, they're up. Um, but it's it's not like they're forcing it to them, which is interesting to me. It's not like they're like we got to get Billy Kemp going. Like he's just open. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, can I can I offer can I offer a potential? Um, now I'm not I'm not sure like the level to which teams do spy. I imagine it's a lot. But I'd caught Georgia Tech a couple times in a spot where you could see Bryce move a little bit and, like, two different dudes sort of went with him and then stopped. And it got me thinking, like, I'm not saying that everybody's double, you know, you know, they got multiple spies and blah, blah. But I do wonder, like, if what they maybe have uncracked is like, oh, last year the, the leverage that Alameda and Bryce exerted on a defense – in various ways at the same time allowed Virginia's offense to do whatever it needed to when it do what it needed to do right this year without him they haven't had that yards after catch and so everything has been you know throw catch tackle throw catch tackle right but now it almost feels like what they've done is a lot of the Jana stuff is not like he's not setting the world on fire he's just in the he's in the right place and he and he's so good at like because a lot of Virginia's routes Ferber mentioned this the other day like a receiver is not necessarily in stride and he catches and runs. He's got to stop and turn and go to a spot or he's got to stop and turn in general. Right. And so the, the window is there quarterback hits him, but Janet does such a good job of like catching and flowing so that his body, so his momentum will somehow manage to make the guy miss, or at least put him in a spot where he can make the guy miss. If that makes sense. I wonder if part of what we've, we've seen these last couple of weeks is just Virginia essentially Focusing in on the plays that not only allow Bryce to be comfortable in the throws he's making, but in terms of the way that the off, like today's point, and I mentioned this at the tailgate the other day, like the sentences and paragraph, right? It looks like a paragraph now, and it feels like think there's just more that fits together in a way that maybe, you know, route concepts and play calls and such just did not feel that way. And I just, I, I feel like they've done something where instead of it being, instead of basically them throwing to the spot where the spy already was and so a tackle gets made, right, they're now figuring out where those spaces are that are away from those guys. Because a lot of what Jana gets, again, he's not, he hasn't beat his man, right? He hasn't like, you know, he hasn't put a move on him, right? It's just like he's just there. Like he's exactly where he's supposed to be and the ball gets there on time. And I mean, I'm not saying that that's, you know, going to win, go win you the national championship, but man, it seems to be doing pretty daggone well. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just looked up those True. yak numbers. Yeah. Uh, five, it was like five uh, yards after the catch per catch against North Carolina and like 6.2 against Georgia tech or something like that. Um, oh, both games had over a hundred yards of yak for the season. They're averaging 4.7. So, I mean, those two games definitely brought the number up a lot. So they were probably – I think – I can't remember what the number was when I wrote that piece. I think it was 4.2. So they're, like, overshooting it by quite a bit these last two games. They have 1,134 yak yards, and I believe in these two games they had, like, 300 of those. And the yards per catch for the season is 10.7, and I believe in these two games it was, like, 12-point-something and 13 or 14-point-something. Yeah, it was up there. All right. Anything yeah, else so, for I mean, the? Uh... There, there is a difference. There's something they they made some changes and and they deserve a lot of credit for making those changes. And as far as carrying over to this game and not losing your edge, I think if the changes are schematic, 
then they'll be fine. Like yeah, the, I agree they, with that. Yeah. Because then you just keep doing what you're doing. If if it's more like uh, things have just broken in their favor, then maybe they don't. But we'll see what happens. The, um, yeah. Plus, they have another week to watch the film and see what worked and and tweak it some more. So um, true. Because it doesn't sound like they're going to do much hitting this week. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I do think though that you know Bryce has has been as good the last couple of weeks in terms of his health as we've seen him, which is kind of crazy coming off that Louisville game where we all thought like the you know the worst had happened. Yeah. Um, but then, well, Nick, Nick Grant, I, I just wanted to bring this up. Nick Grant almost had like the most horrific injury I've ever seen. Oh, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, go back and look at it on the touchdown that Georgia Tech had right before halftime. Um, the guy basically rolled over his leg, which was just hanging in the air and how he didn't like have a critical like leg break was, I, I couldn't believe it. Like on He's the got a Gumby knee or something. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't notice it live at all. And then on oh, like I the replay, I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> like that, that looked terrible. <laughs> oh no, that's great. I mean, it, it's as bad as you could imagine. Like, and it, and then he just got up <laughs> after a minute. I won't. I won't even joke about the ref dropping like the ref dropping his hat and saying Georgia Tech was out of bounds, and then debating himself yeah. whether he's dropped his hat. It was so bad. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think what he was doing. I told Brad. I think he was just marking it so that they would check. It was like one of those things where it was like, make sure this gets checked. Right. Yeah, um, that's not how he didn't, he didn't throw I, Yeah, I was going to say, I, I still don't think, like, if he drops his hat, he, the guy's supposed to be out of bounds, right? Yeah. So if you want to go back and look and see if he's out of bounds, that's great, but you still have to make the call. The fact that he dropped his hat, but the call on the field was different is beyond me. Like, yeah, was, dropping of the hat or, something. you know, you throw the bag because you saw a fumble, then the ruling on the field better be that there's a fumble. Not that, okay, well, it was no fumble, let's go look. Yeah. Well, it also could have been a situation where um, if he thinks that Grant touched it first, then he can touch it. So, like, it was kind of a jump ball. So, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, it was the correct call. It was just weird. It was weird. If you are somebody who has uh, found the podcast um, through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you might want to get your programs um, um Always helps to get us out in front of more people if you can uh, give us a rating or review. Uh, if you're somebody who has found the pod but has not given us a look at the website yet, check us out, CapsCorner.com. Right now you can check out video from postgame the other night. Jay Huff, K.A. Clark, Mamadi D. Kite talking about the win over James Madison. Um, also got football content, Ferber's Take Two from the other day, the um, videos I did with Bryce Perkins and Tavares Kelly, the pro football focus grades for week 11 are up where uh, Kelly and Kemp uh, really shine through. Uh, as you listen to this, uh, Ferber will have written um, his piece on the offense, the kind of revisiting his opus, as I like to joke about it. Uh, and then I've got a hoops column coming out uh, in the afternoon. Um, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. Uh, remember, if you are if you are in any need for any sort of, um, you know, whether it's UVA stuff, college football, basketball, NBA, whatever, uh, you're a Nats fan, you haven't gotten your championship gear, um, check out the Fanatics link that's in the uh, content item. For this show as well as the uh, podcast app of choice right now uh, anything that you you get if you hit that link goes to support the site we very much appreciate it want to thank our sponsors again thorium wealth second string sports uh, visit thoriumwealth.com for more information full disclosures and second string sports second with a two and again i want to thank you guys everybody out there for supporting the show and listening to us talk about uva sports um and uh yeah so we will uh no doubt be doing it again next week for Dave and Ferber, I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.